Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. This is a Spawn Daily episode. We're back to the regular series uh, one, for one issue, anyway. Uh, joined once again by Blake Whitlow. Blake is the author of the reading order that we're using to do, do this uh, insane reading order that we're planning this year uh, to try to read all the issues of the, at least the regular Spawn series in celebration of 30 years of Spawn and to be able to catch up on the new stuff, the Spawn Connected Universe stuff that McFarlane and his team are putting out. King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, The Scorched. So uh, that's that's what we're doing here. So yeah, um, it's nice to get back to the regular issues of the regular series. And as I've said before, when we cover the tangential stuff, which we, we did, we covered a bunch of series like uh, Curse of Spawn, uh, like three different arcs. We did Cygor, which by the way, you guys love Cygor. Like Blake and I talked about it, how you could even sort of take Cygor out of those issues and just have it be like a straight horror anthology series. And it wouldn't really change it that much, but you guys don't care. You love Cygor. Like that has like four times as many downloads as the regular issues <laughs> so you guys love Cygor you know what we do too he's a cool character he's he you know and he will show up again because the whole reason that we covered it so uh yeah good times anyway let's dive into issue number 62 because it's more than just tying in with um with kind of the origin of Angela and her fight against the Argus and this uh new character that we that we saw show up who's sort of mysterious uh, and the other thing that we get, uh, I'm going to just move this up just a little bit. The other thing that we get a return to, I didn't realize how much I'd missed the Capullo art. I did mention that Dwayne Turner's art is, it's similar to what McFarlane does, which is similar to what Capullo does, but there's a little bit of an aesthetic difference. I think Greg's art is a little more lighthearted in a way, almost cartoonish. 
uh, or cartoony. So um, I, it's, again, nice to get back to the regular series, nice to get back to some Kupulu art. The other thing that I want to point out is this really interesting change in design inside the front cover. Uh, it's still very 90s, um, but I feel like part of it probably has to do with the fact that, you know, this was at the time when digital color was becoming a thing and, you know, computers were becoming a thing to do graphic design and whatnot. And so I feel like that's part of the reason that you see this, this huge change. I mean, it is, it is a, a very big change from last issue to this issue in terms of what you see inside the front cover, the, the way the text is all laid out and everything. Um, it's actually uh promotion it's all about that marketing baby uh this is uh how spawn looks in the uh 1997 movie Uh, yeah the live action movie uh jessica priest and uh that whole arc the a7 or a6 organization that's on the inside of the cover the actor um that we talked about uh on the cover for the first issue of her arc the Heat 16, all of that kind of comes from the existence of that movie because around this time period, the movie came out. And so they're trying to, you know, incorporate elements of that into the comic book. And this is just like one visual aesthetic that that were thrown up on, on the inside of the page that didn't like deter from the story itself. Yeah, June 1997 is the date of this issue. So that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense, uh, obviously, Brent Ash has a lot to do with uh, this uh, this new visual look for inside the front front cover. And uh, I'll go ahead and read the recap because, again, it's been a while since we've actually done a regular spawn. We took a little uh, break. Issue, yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you if you recall last time, spawn went and kicked the crap out of the violator, like literally killed him, blew him apart, and then took his skull as a trophy returned cyan to her parents had a long talk with granny blake and while those that talk calmed him down it also confused spawn about what he's supposed to be doing uh the choices he's making that sort of thing and then yes spawn goes back to his alley he sits down hallucinates the skull talking to him and then that skull sort of morphs back into the clown gets the information about hey um jason win uh, didn't actually send chapel to kill you it was actually somebody else which that led into the jessica priest uh, three issue story arc that we did and also we learned that um, jason Wynn confirmed that cygor's remains were on the way to the testing facility and he's ordered the uh it's not necessarily the death but he i don't, I don't want to say he's put a hit out on terry fitzgerald but he's he, now that the federal agents that were sort of lurking around the Fitzgerald family because of Cyan's kidnapping. Now that they've all gone, it's kind of open season on Terry Fitzgerald once again, although we don't know exactly what that means. Here we're told that he orders the disappearance of Terry Fitzgerald. That's what the recap says. So take that for uh, for what you will. Whenever you want someone disappeared, it's never a good thing. No. They typically don't live through being disappeared. Yeah. That very, very true. So, or yeah, uh, and like Forsberg did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and kind of on that note, when the series starts off, we're told about uh, this guy who drowned in his own blood. Uh, he had worked for 
years for um, the U.S. diplomatic corps. Uh, Victor Kozlov was his name, and he kind of wanted to get out of the game, and um, Jason Wynn wasn't having it. You know, uh, Victor, he tried to distance himself from, from the people that he was able to get information from. So he basically was trying to reduce his value to, to Jason Wynn. And so Jason Wynn was like, well, now that you're of no use to me, I'll just have you killed. Uh, we're told his body was never found. Uh, and it was explained away as this deep cover mole that wanted out of the game. And so they quote unquote, you know, retired him or spirited him home. Uh, and by home, I mean, you know, put two in the back of his head and buried him in a you know, deep hole. So once again, reminded what a scumbag Jason Wynn is. And not only is he head of the CIA, it's the first time in a while we're reminded that he's also head of the, the world's clandestine and most powerful international intelligence bureau, the United States Security Group, uh, which hasn't been mentioned in a while. So as Wynn is sleeping, Spawn decides to pay him a biz- visit, gives him the barrel of a gun in the mouth and um, starts threatening him. And of course, here comes Jason Wynn. Who are you? Still doesn't know that he's Al Simmons and Spawn doesn't, I, I, again, I'm not sure why. I mean, Terry and Wanda and Cyan are already a target. So I'm not sure why Al doesn't just come clean, uh, but he hints around at it. Maybe he, again, he'll get some perverse pleasure at the moment that uh, Jason Wynn finally realizes who it is, but uh, who he is. But one, another thing that he says is that he does, he's back for revenge. It's like, I don't have, you know, any, anything else. I've lost everything. I, but I still know what's important. Revenge, revenge is what's important. Like, really? That's where you're going now. I don't think this is what grandma Blake was talking about when she, you know, sat you down um, last issue or what have you. But uh, Wynn has a, a little bit of uh, a surprise for Spawn because it does seem like Al's finally ready to take this guy out. And that's when Jason Wynn says, well, I know how much Wanda and Terry and Cyan mean to you. And there are orders in place that if I'm killed, something happens to me, uh, they're all going to be taken out as well. So that gives Al pause because he knows Jason Wynn doesn't bluff. Um, and so he, he basically chokes him and says, if anything ever happens to them, uh, you know, you're, you won't live, you know, to see the end of the day, which, which does make sense. I mean, if that's the only leverage that, Jason Wynn has over Spawn, then yeah, at any moment, <laughs> the, the, the minute that they're no longer alive, then yeah, I can see Al taking out Jason Wynn. Uh, so Spawn does something interesting here. He tells Jason Wynn, I'll, yeah, I'll be in your office tomorrow at midnight. Um, you know, have as much security there as you want. It won't matter. You know, I'm, I'm going to show you that I can get to you anytime, anywhere, which I like that. Again, it's, it's threatening. He's not necessarily saying he's going to take Wynn out because, again, Wynn's got the leverage of, of the Fitzgerald family. But I love that idea, you know, and, and uh, Wynn even says, oh, if we know where you'll be, when you'll be, we'll kill you. And Spawn's like, no, you won't you, because I'm already dead. You can't kill what's already dead. That's a huge power play. Like, yeah, yeah. You throw everything you have at me, I'll still get to you. And yeah. he's going to find this out apparently tomorrow at midnight. So... Now Jason's going to be on the defensive, try and bring everything that he's got out, all of his shiny toys, like, all right, I know where he's going to be and when he's going to be there so I can prepare. 
yeah it's, he doesn't it, fully know what spawn is so he there's no way he could prepare <laughs> yeah it's a fantastic move from al simmons mm-hmm. here because he's like okay maybe you do have me right now and i don't know how i'm going to be able to take you out until i can make sure terry and wanda and cyan are safe but if you know by, by making this play he knows when is is literally going to have you know he's going to pull out all the stops mm-hmm. so in a way it's like I'm going to get Wynn's playbook and know what he, you know, if his back was against the wall, you know, what, what are his resources? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a fantastic move from, from Al. Meanwhile, speaking of the Fitzgerald family, they're visiting some neighbors, their kids are playing together and they get Terry gets some not welcome news, but in my mind, not surprising news. Basically the other neighbors in the neighborhood want them gone. And his friend tells him, you know, we're not necessarily a party, a, a part of it. And it's why we're being shunned because we're not joining in, but they've got some lawyers and they say that, you know, based on the shootout that happened way back in issue number uh, 23, I think it was. I believe it was uh, 23, 23, yeah. 24. Actually 19, I'm sorry, 19 was the shootout and then 23 was the kidnapping. So based on those events. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's an editor's note right here if I could just read. Uh, yeah, so, but anyway, um, based on those things happening um, and based on the fact that Terry works for the CIA, the neighborhood doesn't feel safe. So I can kind of see both sides, but at the end of the day, yeah. uh, this I think this is before the days of HOAs or at least widespread HOAs. So I, I don't know that you can just sue somebody to get rid of their family. Like, sorry, you have to move because you're dangerous, but I get it. I, I totally get where the, the neighborhood is coming from. So obviously uh, another wrinkle for, uh, for Al that he's going to have to, um, to put up with. So meanwhile, uh, we see Angela appear on earth. Again, this is going back to the, finally we're at the point that where we're tying in with curse of spawn. Number 10, we see her showing up there a little bit different than the uh, events as they unfolded in, uh, in that issue where she showed up in an alley and there was a couple of guys there talking about her. And she was like, oh, look at these bozos. I must be on Earth. Here she kind of shows up uh, overlooking the city in a way, uh, senses that she's on Earth and seeks out Al Simmons, um, who is also struck by some sort of bolt from the blue uh, with the symbiote kind of uh, recognizing danger at the last minute, but it's already too late. And then we're told he, he everything goes black. He basically got knocked out. And when he comes to look, who's there, his favorite uh, avenging angel, Angela. And he's like, Angela, what's this about? And Angela's like, well, I was hoping you could tell me, did you summon me here? I don't know what's going on. Uh, I was halfway across the galaxy a few minutes ago. Now I'm here in your territory. And Spawn's like, you think I summoned you? I can, why would I do that? Uh, I'm not going to waste my energy on you. You know, you're the angel. You're the one that knows about the whole battle between heaven and hell. So, you know, if somebody's got answers, it should be you. And he's, uh, and she's like, okay, I get it. You know, sarcasm, whatever. Um, and uh, she's like, well, I know there's a breach in the, the, the what does he call it? The uh, eternal triumvirate, a cybernetic soul eater called the Argus is the catalyst in conjunction with limbo and al's like uh could you cut cut out the mumbo jumbo i already have a headache like again you know getting back to what we were saying about the the magic babble 
in in the issues of, of Curse of Spawn. He, you know, again, Angela's the one that's versed on this stuff, <laughs> which is interesting because Al does say, "Yeah, you're the one that knows about this stuff." And then when she tells him about it, he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty funny. So she does try to explain it to him. He's like, "Okay, think of it as universal glue that holds the universe together, and it's all falling apart." And you know, our our uh, and again, this is similar to what she said in uh, in issue 10 of Curse of Spawn. It's like uh, us running into each other can't be a coincidence. It's got to be more than that. And Spawn's like, well, yeah, obviously it's not a coincidence. He's, and she says, okay, well, then you, you need, to, need to help me. You know, we need to work together. And as she says that, all of a sudden we see more of that blue light that she sort of appeared in. And she's, she's whisked away. And Al feels it too, this burning white hot light. Um, but he doesn't disappear, but it does affect him. And he feels nauseated and he goes staggering off into the night. There's a ringing in his ears. He feels really strange. And what's this feeling I have? Oh yeah. I remember when I was alive and I felt like this, it was because I was drunk. So is he drunk on power? Is it different power than what he's used to? Is he charged up or is he just intoxicated in some other way? Or yeah, we're just not really sure, but. What we do know is he's he's still spawn and he's still going to fight for the little guy because as he's kind of staggering around, he comes across this uh, homeless guy being mugged and takes out the uh, the two muggers. And uh, as the homeless guy is uh, is thanking him and Al's trying to um, sort of uh, excuse himself and get away, he heads back to the more familiar alleys where he runs into uh, a friend as he's sitting on his throne, the friend turns around and says, Christ almighty, Al, your face. And on the final page, we see that Al Simmons looks human again. Ta-da. What? <laughs> what? What wild, what? crazy business is this? So, I mean, the implication, obviously, that that energy, whatever it was, healed him, but what for what reason and why and i yeah so huge cliffhanger ending really fantastic makes me want to immediately read spawn 64 but again before before we get to that we got to go back and finish the angela arc so next episode we'll be talking about issue 11 and then uh, of curse of spawn and then we'll get back to to talking about this so yeah this was a, a really fun issue the uh you know i i sort of felt like the angela interlude i'll call it wasn't really necessary because we already saw it in curse of spawn number 10 but then when i saw this i was like well if that has something to do with him showing up as human again basically then you know i don't mind um but the thing is i mean his face is back but it's not it's not like he's all the way back he's still blind or uh, blind he's still bald uh and he still has the green glowing eyes so and his symbiote is still attached to him too. His symbiote is still attached to him. But you wonder, uh, I mean, we've seen him peel that symbiote off before, mm-hmm. put on some sunglasses. Could this he is true? This is true. Someone also, uh, uh, I believe a homeless guy at one point wore part of his symbiote and then it's tried to kill him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So is he gonna, you know, be like, all right, here's my chance to go see Wanda? Uh, is you he would alive? Hope, is he dead? Who knows? You, yeah, you would hope that uh, cooler heads would prevail and he wouldn't do that because 
yeah, dude, you're still dead. And she's married to somebody else now. Like if um, he shows up on Wanda's doorstep looking like this, looking like Al Simmons, like that's been one of the, the, the biggest roadblocks for him is he looks like a dead man. Like how yep. could he go see his, his five-year ex-wife you know, looking like that, saying, yes, I'm Al, I'm your husband, I love you, we we went here and did this together, remember, like, she, she's just going to be horrified, like, God, what the hell? Yeah, are your you face looks from? like chewed bubblegum, <laughs> why would I so believe it's you? looks like Al Simmons, so but, yeah. this could change the relationships of everybody that Spawn has interacted with up to this point, you know? If he yeah, can but at the same time... Me, He's risking. He's risking a lot. Yeah. Or 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 is he actually? When, when we think about it, I mean, could be re- risking his, you know, reestablishing his relationship with Terry. But you know, in the face of reuniting with Wanda, does that matter? And mm-hmm. then, cl- you know, clearly, like you said, he can't be in the costume. He can't be. He can't have a symbiote anywhere near him because if if at any point Wanda sees anything that symbiote like, she's immediately going to realize, hey. He's spawn. I mean, Wanda's not dumb. I almost think she should have put it together before now that mm-hmm. Al and um, and Spawn are one and the same. Although, you know, Terry didn't put it together either until he basically had some of Al's power in him and and got the visions or whatnot. So, yeah, yeah it's a very interesting turn of events. Um, and I mean, this is a great issue for moments. I mean, this is a fantastic cliffhanger to end on. And like we said, the other fantastic moment is just Spawn going to total power plan. Jason Wynn, like ready to take him out. Wynn's like, oh, hold on. I got something. I got a little bit of leverage on you. And Spawn kind of, in a way, calls his bluff by saying, all right, I'm going to be here at this time. See if you can stop me. So and, and me. does the, But does that change now that he looks like Al? So is he going to take that risk? Does his entire life change from this point on? Yeah. Like, does he even care? I mean, he definitely cares. He's Al Simmons. He wants revenge on Jason, but still, like, yeah. Here's here's a question for you. You know, we just talked about changing the inside uh, look and design because mm-hmm. of of the movie. Do you think that the movie coming out had anything to do with them? Hey, let's make him look like a bald black guy. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily look like what Michael J. White um, necessarily, but. Making it yeah. There isn't a whole lot that I can remember off the top of my head because I'm I'm kind of remembering as I'm reading through with you. Yeah. Um. But from my memory, I don't recall there being a whole lot of direct movie Mm -hmm. tie-ins. It really just seemed like a lot of the marketing and a lot of the side series kind of got the heavy dosage of you know we're going to inject story elements from the movie via this arc in a side series to spawn. They pretty much kept the, the integrity of the, the main comic series intact aside from like one or two instances, for example, introducing Jessica priest, but there's practical reasons for introducing Jessica instead of staying with chapel because Todd has more control over a character that he invented versus is having to, you know, uh, work with Chapel's creator and getting licenses to borrow him. 
So it makes sense why Jessica Priest exists in the context of the story and how that kind of movie tie-in actually affected the story. But aside from that, I don't know. It it feels pretty cohesive to me. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's wildly out of character or out of left field for, for Todd to do this, but I also know Todd's a really cagey businessman, so I just wonder, if, even if it was on a subconscious level. I mean, the thing is, we need to have Todd on, like, I don't know, for an eight-hour episode to ask him all the questions that we want to ask him which is why i hope to have him on soon before we get too much further um because yeah that would be a question for him like maybe for uh, 200 or 150 or something like that yeah well issue yeah and the other thing that i would say uh that i want to ask him about in relationship to the movies because recently he was talking about how the sales of the comic don't really have anything to do with uh, whether or not the you know the movie gets made or whatever, now that um, superhero movies have become you know billion dollar properties, mm-hmm. it's just more about like global recognition. Uh, because you know e- even he was saying that even the you know number one comic last year, uh, I think was um, King Spawn number one, and it sold like five hundred thousand copies or something somewhere along those lines. Yeah, uh, and he's like, man, to to a studio. If 500,000 people go see a movie, that's, that's nothing. That's a, that's a complete failure. So it's not about any kind of current circulation. It's about kind of, you know, how many people have, are aware of it? How many people go, Oh, I used to collect spawn. I'll go see the movie. You know, that, that number should be in the millions and that's what the studio is looking for. But to go back and talk about, you know, changing the inside trade dress or doing some other tangential series or whatever that tie more closely into a movie you remember in 1997 comic book movies weren't billion dollar properties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the context and why he did things then, as opposed to why he would do things now in relation to movie marketing or what have you would be yeah. very different. I'd love to hear him talk about that a little bit, but it is very interesting. I didn't actually uh, think of it in that context. I always thought of it as just like, Oh, movie comic, two different stories related. Yes. Shared elements. Yes. But two separate stories. I always just assumed that he was going to have like the creative integrity to keep them separate, but yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Like the movie market and comic industry and everything now is completely different from how it was back then and the relationship between each other. Yep. Exactly. So Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Any last thoughts on this issue there, Blake? Uh, that is a killer shot. That is an awesome final page. When I was reading it for the first time, my jaw hung open. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, this raises so many questions. Oh yeah, I think when I when I read it just a couple of days ago, uh, and I got to the last page, I was <laughs> I was like, holy shit! Wait, what? <laughs> I was yeah, I didn't see that coming, and yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I haven't read these issues you know before, so it was a nice surprise, but. I mean, I still have lived in the world of comics for the last, you know, 40 plus years of my life. And I don't remember hearing about this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun. It's fun to be still be surprised for uh, an issue that's, uh, what, 25 years old, I guess. Yeah. So fantastic. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Again, we'll get to uh, Spawn 64 in a, in a couple of episodes. Next episode will be Curse of Spawn number 11. So if you want to follow along and know what's coming up next, Again, go check out the reading order that Blake put together. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go and Google uh, Spawn reading order, put in Blake 
as well, the name Blake, uh, be sure you get the right one. It's a Google Doc. Blake's been even um, updating it a little bit as we're going through, adding uh, a little more context about when the tangential series fit in and where they fit in and why they are uh, where they are. So uh, again, we appreciate the support. We appreciate everybody listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.